You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. All right, Doug, where were you when uh, Jock Peterson tumbled around the outfield like a giant baby? I was uh, in my living room just writing up my formal uh, my formal application for his gold glove. <laughs> I, I think it's time. I You know, he's shown enough. Give him the Palmero. He'll play five games out there and win a gold glove. Why not? Yeah, I don't think we should... Uh, hind behind tradition or uh, stats people might want to throw out just objectively if you look at it gold glover for sure yeah yeah 100 <laughs> percent. he used to play center field you know when he came up so he still got it people forget yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so the giants are 45 and 36 after losing two of three in toronto remember when um we we asked a couple of times like how good is this Giants team? I mean, they are good. Uh, I think we know now they're not as good as any team in the AL, AL East. Well, not when like half the team is injured, at least. Um, sure. That, sure. That's not helping. No. Just injury after injury. And then uh, J.D. Davis getting ejected because he, he got so mad at a bad strike zone. Getting ejected for the first time in his career. We, I saved the interesting concerning for later for the other for the Monday episodes. But I mean, come on, we've been saying it for a while now. This strike zone calling against the Giants is, is getting out of hand. And in the series, we saw that all that said, the Giants struck out like what, 34 times in the series. So, you know, it's, it's tough to win when you strike out a lot. But yes, that's a good point about the young players. But anyway, you know, they won a game there and the game they won was pretty impressive. 17 strikeouts, zero, zero walks in what was a bullpen game for the most part. I mean, it was an opener game. What, what are we calling them? The opener bullpen configuration? I'm not sure, but, you know, Alex Wood pitched five innings. He had seven strikeouts. The Giants did strike out 17 and walked to zero. It was really cool. That was a great game. Yeah, I mean, I, I call it a cover for Alex Wood's weaknesses game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, a lot, you know, there, there are the pure bullpen games they've done in a lot of ways of what it seems like they're just trying to get, um, get it out of the way so that they can get, he doesn't have to face a, the lineup the third time through. He can just, you know, pitch to his strengths and not kind of push himself. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an incredibly impressive game. I was uh, a little worried uh, at the start because uh, Walker, because Walker was the opener. He didn't look great i thought he gave up some hard contact but he got through the inning and then after that i mean he he had hard contact and get, got through the inning by striking out three guys which that'll do it but then after that it was just that was a lockdown performance from basically the whole the whole staff from wood and, and rogers and duvall and i'm missing someone i think uh it was kind of exactly what you had said that walker hasn't been a good opener in place of john brebia and it was like he was hearing you uh, and those, and they had the runners at the corners, and then he just—it's like it a, a switch flipped. He's like, "I can't, Doug can't be right." This no, that's true. Stop. I can't be right. You cannot <laughs> let me be right. That's the worst thing anyone can ever do. Because uh, I wrote about the game because of the historical significance of it. Um, you know, 
Ryan Walker just in in a 15 pitch sequence against Brandon Belt, Vlad Guerrero and Matt Chapman, he threw two sliders and 13 sinkers. <laughs> Sorry, three yeah. sliders and 13 sinkers. Uh that must be great when you have a really great sinker, but just 95, 96, 97 with the sinker was is pretty impressive. Brandon Belt, I didn't I wouldn't say he tormented the Giants in the series, but it it wasn't it was good Brandon Belt that the Giants got. You know, it would have been a bummer if we got you know, kind of a can't can't buy a hit. You know, look discombobulated. The brand, you know, that Brandon Belt. He definitely seems like he's coming out of a hot streak. He came off the IL. He hasn't been all that sharp. But again, he drew a key walk in the third game of the series, which set up the Brandon Belt or set up the Vlad Guerrero home run, the two run home run. Uh, it was fun to see him. Had some good quotes. I, I enjoyed him being on the other side of the of the Giants for once. Um, it was not heartbreaking at all. It didn't sting. It was fun. It's, it's It was nice to see him. You know, you, it's like an old friend. You're like, oh, hey, man, you're doing well. Great. OK, bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll say I could have used some more slumpy shoulders. I, I kind of missed that aspect of it. But yeah. Um, on the whole, yeah, he it was a very belty series where, you know, he he worked that walk in the third game by basically just uh, having the Brandon Belt strikes. I'm like, that's not a strike. That's not a strike. No, no. And I'm like, mm, yeah. And then immediately, uh, Vlad Guerrero hit that homer, and it was um, Brandon Belt basically won them the game with that walk. So, <laughs> but you know, Keaton Wynn, as well as he pitched, he also lost the game for himself because I believe it was in the previous inning he had a batter which caused the lineup to turn over, and so he had he been able to actually get through Brandon Belt, you know what I mean? Like the inning would have been over with Vlad Guerrero. So it changes the kind of, um, it changed the whole tilt of the game with that one hit by pitch that he had, uh, I think, just in terms of, he had two outs when he faced Belt. But that's baseball, right? Whole lot of baseball. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you you put yourself in a situation where hanging one splitter will, uh, will lose the game. And he, that was a hell of a hanging splitter. So, yeah. So Giants fell back to third place and they're still holding on to a wild card spot. You know, series loss, kind of a bummer, but uh, let's talk about some really cool news. Kyle Harrison and Carson Wisenant were named to the futures game. And I just want to remind listeners right up front, we're going to have Roger Munter from There Are Giants from Roger Substack. He's going to be on our July 10th episode. So that's coming up, but uh, very cool. The Giants top pitching prospect and, and one of their sparkling pitching prospects two lefties who are basically what sinker changeup or sinker slider and sinker. Yeah. They're both sinker slider guys. Although Wizenant's got like a, a dynamic circle change as well. So um, anything you want to say about Harrison and or Wizenant or both? I mean, I know with Harrison fans of basement basically been clamoring for him to get called up since the day the season started. I think the giants have been kind of playing it pretty smart with him, building up his innings slowly, making sure that he's, he's fully ready and you can see they they have something pretty impressive in Keaton Wynn. Like, they can take their time with Kyle Harrison for the moment uh, and let him develop as much as you can develop in AAA. Uh, Wisenhunt has been has been outstanding this year. Uh, I know he doesn't have quite the ace profile looking going forward that, that Harrison does, but um, very few prospects have the ace profile that Harrison does. Wisenhunt's just been extremely impressive racking up strikeout after strikeout and just having you know, great outings kind of every, every five days. They're both good prospects. It, it'll be fun to see them competing against the other best prospects in the game. 
good chance for Kyle Harrison to get a little bit of redemption because his appearance in last year's future game futures game did not did not go so well. <laughs> That's true. He pitched two thirds of an inning. He gave up two hits, four runs, one earned, uh, a walk, two strikeouts. By the way, those two hits were home runs. So, yeah, <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> not not what you want. Um, <laughs> interesting uh, group that he was with last year, though. Bobby Miller started the futures game last year. He's now the Dodgers. He's he was dynamite for a bit there with the Dodgers. Yuri Perez is probably right now the best pitcher on the Marlins. He's he's somehow uh, supplanted Sandy Alcantara. Uh, good for him. And then Kyle Harrison was the third to appear. Antoine Kelly is up and pitching pretty well. And I think also Eric Miller made it as well. So an interesting group there. Wizenant, by the way, was interviewed by Roger on the There Are Giants podcast. This was on June 14th, so just a couple weeks ago. And it's it's the first 14 minutes or so of the podcast. He sounds like a cool dude. I, I mean, I, he has a lot to say about pitching, uh, but Roger asks good questions. And um, so check that out as well. And also, again, Roger will be on the show and we'll ask him all about these guys. So about Kyle Harrison, then, in terms of like everyone thought he would be up, but it's not quite the time. Um, I agree. I, I wasn't sure after spring training, especially, especially when, remember, they kind of sent him down super early as well, or maybe earlier than you would have thought that it's kind of like, well, it's not a guarantee he's going to be up this season then. Or if it is, maybe it's going to be much later. That kind of raises the question, the specter of the Giants needs at the trade deadline, which are now a month away, which is now a month away. And I would have to say for me personally, and Doug, this is where you can just, you can just put me in check right now. Uh, I think starting pitching, that's, that's kind of their biggest need. Am I wrong? I mean, it sure seems that way to me. Like they've been able to piece together a a pretty decent offense, even with all their injuries. Um, Obviously the last couple of games in Toronto, notwithstanding, but they're they're getting just thinner and thinner at at starting pitching slash bulk innings slash whatever you want to call it. I don't know. I don't know what we call things. <laughs> it's always changing, Doug. <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, if you're if you're not comfortable giving high leverage innings going forward to Ross Stripling and Sean Manaya, and you know, Manaya's been pretty good since going to Bullpen, but you shouldn't be comfortable with that. We've watched them all year, then they do need another starter. And so there's there are a lot of guys out there. Uh, it's tough to to say everyone who's going to be available. You know, there's a lot of trade rumors about Shane Bieber, but by this time, two weeks from now, maybe the maybe the Guardians are are in first place in that mm-hmm. awful AL Central. I mean, for me, I guess I would look at Marcus Stroman is the and Lucas Giolito uh, just gonna ransack the city of Chicago. Is kind of my plan. <laughs> You know, Strowman pitched pretty well against the Giants in his start in San Francisco, and then he had nothing but nice things to say about the organization. He would not be necessarily be a pure rental. He does have a player option that if he gets to 160 innings this year, it goes to $23 million. So, I mean, that and that's kind of nothing but downside because he would only, it's a weak free agent market. So he would only activate that option if something bad happened. Giolito is going to be a free agent at the end of the year, which makes it a little tough to tell exactly how much the White Sox are going to ask for him. There are going to be 
a lot of teams that come come calling for him. He's definitely someone that if the Giants think their biomechanics people can like fix him and make him great, that they might pay a little bit more to get that extra push down the stretch. Uh, one other name I've seen on every single one of these uh, these possible trade target lists is Alex Cobb, to which I would say, shut the fuck up, everyone. It's not <laughs> happening. I mean, so that's the that's the part of this, you know, because last year, remember, I was like, Alex Cobb, super valuable. Like, <laughs> he would be a great uh, guy to trade. Uh, that's the other part of this, though. He is coming back from the IL, I believe, this weekend for this Mets series, which we're going to talk about in a second. Uh, he is effectively their second best starter, which uh, until about three weeks ago was not damning with faint praise, but it's kind right. of drifted in that direction. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, but between Webb and Cobb and D. Scafani. And I'm not ready to say that Logan Webb is broken or there's something going on. He is like a full run almost now approaching like a run and a quarter worse ERA wise on the road. And I don't know what that's about. I mean, and he's really good at home. There's no question. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, these are contact guys. And I kind of think the contact guys are more likely to go through what is effectively a slump uh, than the, than the pure strikeout guys. Um, and so you've got three of those starters in your rotation <laughs> and, you know, Alex Wood is actually more of a strikeout guy, even though he's got 92, what, what a difference a start makes, right? Cause we had said, Doug, in our last, uh, podcast that Alex Wood hasn't looked good since coming out the IL. Not true. We completely overlooked his first <laughs> start where he was, he was great. But in that start against San Diego, he looked so bad. He wasn't hitting his spots and it's like Patrick Bailey caught him in that game and, Patrick Bailey was stealing him some strikes uh, on Thursday for sure to help with those seven innings, but he was doing a lot better at just even staying out of the middle of the plate, which he couldn't do before. My whole, my larger point is I've named four guys who are basically they're okay as a group. And I think we'd easily put Webb as being above average and Cobb. I think he can still get back there. So then it's like, do they really need another starter? And I think you're, but I think you're right. Even if we consider like, well, Keaton Wynn doesn't, didn't he just show with this great start that maybe he could be the other guy that fills in. And it's kind of like, I think Stroman aside, there's kind of a version where it's like, it depends on where they're at in two weeks because you're right, Doug, like they maybe a Stroman as like the fill in, but that's like then the fourth, guy it's the same you know what i mean like stroman for a while was ahead of webb and cobb and ground and ground ball rate and leading the league and it's like do we really need four alex cobbs on the roster because webb <laughs> is copying alex cobbs game so don't you you know so it's like i really don't know where they go from here and i'm trying to look at like it's almost like doug they have too many mediocre options to the point where you're like they actually Maybe if these guys work out, it'll be okay. But it's also like you can't add another guy in that same of that same ilk. But you can't move any of this group. You can't like plus string three of them together, trade them, and get one great one back. They're in a really weird spot with this rotation yeah. thing. Yeah, it's tough to tell what they should do because they need another guy, but then there isn't one who's that good for a price they're going to be willing to pay. A frontline guy is going to cost them Marco Luciano or Luis Matos, right? 
And yeah. are they going to pay that? No, they shouldn't pay that. No, um, You're, we so agree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's, that's kind of why I looked at like Giolito, who was a frontline guy at one point, and maybe the Giants have a plan to get him back there. But he would be great because, yeah, 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 I mean, he would be great because, again, his walk rate or his walks per nine, 2.63, he's way, he's way high up on the list. He doesn't walk guys. Yes, he gives up a lot of home runs, but also he's pitching in a stadium where home runs are much easier to hit. He's still, again, almost a, a, he's a strikeout guy, even right now, what, when you'd be struggling. A 353 ERA against a 421 XFIP. I think you're right, Doug. Maybe they can just magic him up a little bit. And is there, you know, is is Joey Bart and a couple of other guys enough? I mean, Joey Bart finally hit a home run in AAA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he figuring it out? I don't know. Uh, so maybe that's a wiggle room. I think, you know, at the end of the day, that is the guy I'd want to see. Although I actually do mar- like Marcus Stroman a lot. So I, in that case, I would be like, wouldn't you then want to trade Alex Cobb? Not because you don't like Alex Cobb, but because he's got that extra year of control. You know what I mean? You're and it's kind of you're swapping a little bit younger, maybe a little bit less injury prone. Stroman's a little more consistent in that regard. I don't know, but Stroman also a short king. We love a short king. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of good. So I mean, I mean, personality wise, I'm kind of like okay, maybe. I guess we'll revisit this in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about this Mets series now. More like the Mets series. Am I yeah. right? <laughs> Oh, got him. Damn. <laughs> Just put another one on the belt. <laughs> As we record this, the Mets are losing to the Brewers three to two at home. Uh, and if they lose, they'll fall to 36 and 45. But either way, they're going to be the 37 and 44, 36 and 45. They're in the literally in the opposite direction of the Giants. And uh, they just had a press conference with uh, with Steve Cohen. He got in front of everybody in like a lawn chair or like a folding chair. <laughs> and he said, yes, we need to get better. We know things are bad right now. Everyone's got their jobs to the end of the season. Uh, but it, And it definitely sounds like he didn't explicitly say we're going to be sellers, but it sounds like the Mets are getting ready to rip it all down. It's mostly an old roster. They obviously, if they can get rid of anyone, Doug, it'll help with that that tax number I'm fine with rich people paying a lot of money, but it it is also like sometimes these penalties are so comic, like cartoonishly large. It's like, why, why bother? If you don't have to pay it, why pay it? So the Mets are definitely in a, in a position that the giants should be able to take advantage of. Do you think they can Doug? Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. And the reason for that is the Mets pitching is bad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, think I there's there's not really a way around that there are like what two guys on the roster who've actually had good years I mean maybe three okay but they signed Scherzer and Verlander to big contracts and they've both been okay at best um Kodai Senga has been has been good but then there are other starters Tyler McGill who both spells his first name wrong and also is bad uh, and then Carlos Carrasco has just been god awful, uh, and so they can; those are guys they can get to. The Mets only have a couple guys in the bullpen who've really been anything special. There is so much like soft underbelly there that even a, a pretty beat up, depleted Giants offense, you would think they'd be able to make something happen against them. 
Yeah, I mean, in terms of their strengths, Francisco Lindor, I think we all expected that year in, year out, he's going to be, you know, one of the top hitters in the game. And it's still the case that he's actually one of the top players in the game. He's top 25. He's top 30 in in uh, wins above replacement, according to fan graphs. But that's kind of in part plus 6.2 defense, like his defense and his base running. He leads the Mets with nine stolen bases, but his weighted runs created plus is 109. I mean, the Giants have three players. J.D. Davis, former Met, has a 130 weighted runs created plus. Amon Wade Jr. is up there as well. And I think Conforto is. I'm kind of foggy on who the third one was. But Lindor is their best player by a war, but he's not exactly lighting it up, which is definitely me hexing the Giants. Brandon Nimmo is actually their best hitter right now. 131 weighted runs created plus, but minus 2.4 defensive runs. You know, I, I look at it from like the Giants have to put the ball in play and then the defense, the Mets defense can help them out. But they do have some guys who are dangerous. Pete Alonso is now the next guy. He's the next best hitter by way to runs with created plus 24 home runs. That's th- tied with J.D. Martinez. Or sorry, he's, that's third in baseball with for home runs. And uh, his way to runs created plus, he's tied with J.D. Martinez and Masa Yoshida for the Red Sox. So those are the, like their three best hitters. But I haven't named their next best hitter, who is pesky as hell, Jeff McNeil. We, we forget about him because he's got like a 660 OPS and uh, he has the second most hits on the Mets, though, with 70. Uh, Nemo leads the Mets with 82, but I'm highlighting it for this reason. <laughs> so, or sorry, McNeil has 72 hits. Nemo has 86 and 60 of McNeil's hits are singles. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of pesky singles up, a runner on second, two outs, McNeil up the middle, and there's a run. It's going to be a lot of that garbage if the Giants can't keep him off the base. That's one concern. They also lead baseball and hit by pitches, Doug. I thought this was a, a bizarre number. So they lead baseball with 49 hit by pitches. Yeah, Jeff McNeil leads the team with 10. Then you've got Brandon Nemo, Starling Marte, and Pete Alonzo all with seven. Mark Canna, who kills the Giants, so don't forget about him. And Francisco Lindor, they have six each. They have what I would say is a pesky uh, offense. uh, But, you know, with Alonzo there and Nimmo and the dynamism of of Lindor, I actually think pesky is sort of... um, minimizing them it's almost kind of discounting them they're they have the potential to be dangerous and even even lethal good news is the giants are going to be countering with alex cobb anthony disclafani and tbd i've learned not to uh be wary of tbd doug embrace tbd tbd is your friend (laughs) i saw some giants fans commenting after you know like they're still not happy with the bullpen games the opener configuration whatever um, and this is like old news. They're doing it, whether we like it or not. So we have to judge the Giants based on their preference and how it's working out. And it's been working out pretty, pretty damn well. So I guess you can complain about it if you want, but it's like there's no basis for it except your personal feeling. Now, Roger, who's going to be on here on July 10th, he said he doesn't like it. And I get it. We're going to talk to him about it. I, I'm going to ask him about it. But aesthetically, it's at this point, I don't care. <laughs> that that's my opinion, Tuck. I just don't care at this point. Um, if it helps them win, it helps them oh, win. Oh, I'm, I'm with Roger. I completely agree with Roger. I don't like them either. <laughs> They're annoying to me. Uh, I, I do want to point out one, one other guy on the Mets who we yeah. haven't brought up yet, because every time he gets a hit, I'm going to be like, man, 
That's a real slap in the face. And that's Tommy Pham. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Um, Got him again. Boom. <laughs> Roasted. Uh, Tommy Pham's actually one of the, been one of the better hitters on the Mets. It's the basically the three best hitters by Woba are Brandon Nimmo, Pete Alonso, and Tommy Pham. So he's, he's been pretty dangerous. He hasn't had as much playing time as the other guys, but he's still had a, a good year. He's been walking a lot. He's been annoying. And then uh, he, he and Jock Peterson apparently don't get along. So that'll be something to watch. I think that slap did turn the season around for the Giants. I mean, it, it slapped the Giants into, into place last season. So he certainly has the power. I just can't help but notice that wherever he goes, his team sucks. Yeah, that's true. He's he's uh who who is that quarterback Jeff Jeff Blake? There we go. That, he was that, that quarterback. Yeah, formerly of the Bengals. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he yeah, went two. So. He went two for four in uh, today's game against the Brewers. Uh, I don't have his whole line, but in June he has a nine sixty seven OPS. Uh, so that's annoying. One other thing, Max Scherzer had nine strikeouts and gave up two runs in six innings. So he's pitched a little bit better of late, like you said. And then I want to highlight that Justin Verlander, because the Giants are going to miss both Senga, which is kind of a bummer. I wanted to see Kodai Senga against the Giants. That was a guy they targeted in the offseason. Uh, but they're going to face Verlander, at least. And Verlander's last seven starts, 40 innings pitched, 383 ERA with the 30, uh, 370 FIP, 34 strikeouts, 10 walks, and just four home runs. Uh, his aver- So that's been, he's been pretty good. I would say he's been good, but his average fastball velocity in that time span, at least according to fan graphs, 92 miles an hour. So not quite the Verlander we remember. Yeah. Um, also, these two teams are are linked because of what happened in the offseason, right? With the whole Carlos Correa thing. And it's, I'm just saying, well, 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 look where we're at. <laughs> remember what everyone was... <laughs> They're like anti-Eskimo brothers. All right, let's no prediction on how the series is going to go. But Doug, do you have any like specific player prediction? I think uh, Di Scalfani is going to have a surprisingly good start. He's not going to pitch well, but he's not going to give up a lot of runs. It's going to be one of those like six innings, two runs, but like seven hits and four walk kind of starts. And you're like, I don't know how he did it, but uh, he did. And so then kind of his last call two starts. Buddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's going to look bad and it'll work and it won't work in the long term. Yeah, but that's a good one. I'm I'm going full Jock Peterson here. He's we saw his gold glove range uh, in in Thursday's game. He's going to he's going to rob Tommy Pham of a hit on what would ordinarily be a routine <laughs> play for a left fielder. But he's going to make it look ridiculous. <laughs> like, like he's like going to take a bad route and run yep. slow and yep. make a diving catch. And uh, he's he's got to hit a home run off of Justin Verlander as well, Jock Peterson. So I'm I'm sticking with him. I'd like to say Michael Conforto is going to come out and and do something great, but he might be on the IL, which is a bummer because Mets fans love him, miss the guy, and uh, it would be fun to watch him play there. Maybe he will play. I don't know. Just not making a prediction about that. So let's close with this because I did write about this. Michael Conforto, Doug, out of all the Giants. <laughs> Well, both he and Jock Peterson, I feel very strongly. Why not put him in the home run derby? One of those two. Why not? Oh, yeah, they'd be they'd be fun. I mean, I think Jock Peterson would be a little more fun in the home run derby. 
because you see the swing, swings he takes during games that he's just he's just going for it just every yeah. time, which uh, which is what you want in a home run derby. Conforto is too good of a regular, like too regular of a swing, like he's too much of a just regular good hitter. Um, I don't think he does fully does the sellout thing like Jock Peterson does, but yeah, Peterson, ooh, that'd be fun. So as I wrote about on McCovey Chronicles on Thursday, Jock Peterson has been in the Home Run Derby twice very recently. Include He was the runner-up. Uh, he was number second place in 2015. And in 2019, remember, he hit 39 home runs in one round, the second uh, in the tournament, and lost that round. So he, he didn't even advance to the finals, even though he had the second most home <laughs> runs. So very recently, Jock Peterson has been a stud in the Home Run Derby. Yes, he only has eight home runs, I think. But according to expected stats, he should have at least 10. He's a he's a DH. He plays at Oracle Park, which suppresses offense. But in terms of entertainment value, there's usually always one story guy or one who's like, why is he in the home run derby? So if you don't want to go with past track record and current value, which is Jock Peterson, may I also offer... Michael Conforto's story is this, Doug. You're right about like he's like a professional polished hitter. He's got some sock in his bat, though. He's hit some some monsters this year. But the bigger part, the story part of this, Doug, is that he is from Seattle. He is a native son, and he has 12 home runs, which is more than a lot of guys that might you might think are in the conversation for who could potentially be in the home run derby. So he has a very low amount of home runs generally, but we're talking about eight spots. You tell me Michael Conforto, native son, coming back from a year of missing injury, you know, missing because of injury, coming back and playing, hitting some home runs in front of his hometown fans. I kind of think that's a good story. So the Giants have two great options, and I just fear that Major League Baseball is too stupid to see this. I also put Tyro Estrada up because I just dug, like I screamed about Max Muncy. I just can't get over the fact that the Giants aren't going to have any position players in the All-Star game. It just, it's not right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the real reason no Giant is going to be in the Home Run Derby because Major League Baseball's bylaws specifically prohibit Giants position players from traveling to the All-Star game. Well, after uh, what, 2012? When yeah, exactly. the, they're just, they're just they're just like, yeah, we're like, we can't let this happen again. Never again. <laughs> Never again. Uh, all right. Doug, where can people find your work? Uh, I am at giantsdoug.substack.com where I write every Tuesday and Thursday about the San Francisco Giants, a baseball squadron. And I'm at McCovey Chronicles. We're on Twitter at Giants Croncast. Uh, and we're a part of Fans First Sports Network, which you can find at Fans First SN on Twitter. So we'll be back on Monday with an all new episode. Until then, go Giants! <laughs>